Okay, so uh, let's begin with the uh, act of contrition. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me and for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so let's begin. Hello, my friends, and uh, welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 46, and uh, it's late, I understand. I wasn't able to do it last week, um, you know, because of time. But I'm going to uh, do the readings for the um, second Sunday. We're just going to go over it. So, um, you know, I'm going to read and and, uh, and comment on it. All right. So uh, let's just um, I'm do what John Henry Weston does. I'm just going to say this, uh, say to make the sign of the cross. All right, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, come, Holy Spirit, come and fill the hearts of your faithful. Enkindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, open our minds and our hearts to the written word. Amen. Okay, so... Last uh, second Sunday, the first reading was from the Acts of the Apostles, and it's chapter 5, verse 12 to 26. More than ever, believers in the Lord, great numbers of men and women were added to, their, uh, to them. All right, reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Many signs and wonders were done among the people at the hands of the Apostles, they were all together in Solomon's uh, portico. None of the others dared to join them, but the people esteemed them. Yet more than ever, believers in the Lord, great numbers of men and women were added to them. Thus they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them out on cots and mats, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on 
one or another of them, a large number of people from the towns in the vicinity of Jerusalem also gathered, bringing the sick and those uh, disturbed by unclean spirits, and they were all cured. Okay, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this, from this particular passage, uh, from the second Sunday uh, after Easter, here we show a very different, very different apostles, a very different uh, Simon Peter, a very different um, individual, very different uh, man in Christ. Gone is the um, the Peter who is impulsive, the Peter who is um, hard-headed, uh, the Peter who jumps without thinking. Gone is that man. You know, when whenever we call, uh, we talk about him, we mention him, we call him Saint Peter. We don't say Saint Simon, son of John, Peter. No, we we say Saint Peter. And here uh, we begin to see someone who speaks out, someone who, I mean, if you do the readings during the week, uh, the weekday, you'll see he, he talks in front of the Sanhedrin. He, he mentions that they have, to, they have to do, they have to fear God than to fear men. People come out and they lay there sick on cots, hoping that his shadow would pass over their sick relative and cure them. Now, think about it. This is something I think a lot of Protestants have a hard time with, <clears throat> especially those who are very anti-Catholic. They tend to <clears throat> ignore these, these particular um, form of, of miracles where they are hoping that the shadow of an apostle is not just him, but later on Paul, I think, is the same thing. And even handkerchiefs that he touched became relics, became holy objects that could cure an individual. Just an object touching him because he is touched by Christ. He's anointed by Christ. He is, he is empowered by Christ. He is empowered by the Son of God, the Son of God who comes from the Father. A sacramental, right? A sacramental technically is a, I mean, even more, it's a sacrament, not just a sacramental. A sacramental is like a representative of, 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 of something holy, but this is, this is this is this is basically holy objects coming directly from the source of holiness it's you know these these are very different people they're very different individuals you see people um i mean even the priests some some members of the priest class began be, becoming members of the christian community you know and this is this at the time in the early days it was a, it was probably very different i mean than we could ever imagine 
Imagine the very start of the of the church, the very start of the Christian faith. And these are where the apostles had to form and structure the church. Today, of course, you know, <clears throat> the church is all over the world, but there's a lot of, um, in many ways, it's also got blurred by bureaucracy, by the uh, um, politics. The worst part is the politics, the politics of the of the church. It's very troublesome, you know. I mean, we, but the thing is, this is something that, of course, that many ways had to happen, you know, because it's supposed to represent Christ. Although our leaders may act like as though they, they are, um, it ends with them. It doesn't end with them. And many of them are very susceptible to public opinion polls and, and, and criticisms. And, um, you know, it's not like Christ doesn't know this. Christ knows this. And I know there's a lot of uh, talk um, about the validity of, of Francis's uh, papacy and stuff like that and, and corruption and abuse. But it's not like Christ doesn't know about it. Christ knows about it. Christ knows everything that's going on. He knows exactly what's happening. It's one step ahead of them. He's our Lord. He's Jesus Christ. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all what, about corruption. We were warned about this right from the early days. The Gospels tells us about Judas Iscariot and the weakness of Peter's faith in the beginning. So I'm not worried about it at all. And I know these men are going to lose. You know, God, God already knows about their plans. Whatever they think they're going to do, it's not going to work. The Holy Spirit is not going to allow it. The Holy Spirit does not fall asleep at the wheel. So I'm not worried about it one bit. But one thing we should, we need to remember is always never to lose faith. Never, never to lose faith in in, in the church, in the fact that it belongs to Christ. It belongs to him, not to men, not to, not to weak, prideful, vain men. No, it belongs to him and him only. All right, let's move on. All right, so um, Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love is everlasting. Alleluia. Let the house of Israel say, His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His um, His love is everlasting. Alleluia. I was hard-pressed and was falling, but the Lord helped me. My strength and my courage is the Lord, and He has been my Savior. The joyful shout of victory has in the tents of the just give thanks to the lord for he is good his love is everlasting the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone by the lord has this been done it is wonderful in our eyes this is the day the lord has made 
Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting. Alleluia. All right, I'm going to read it one more time straight through. Psalm 118. Let the house of Israel say, His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His mercy endures forever. I was hard-pressed and was falling, but the Lord helped me. My strength and my courage is the Lord. He has been my Savior, the joyful shout of victory in the tents of the just. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done. It is wonderful in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So uh, Psalm 118 is definitely a messianic psalm. Um, again, the Messiah is God's anointed one. Um, technically, in a very, um, you could say, I guess you can say a general sense, like a Messiah is anointed and basically can be, it's a priest, prophet, or king. And uh, the, the high priest um, from the line of Aaron, I mean, basically it was the same thing like the papacy. At one point, there were so many sons of Aaron that they actually had to take an election. They had to, they actually had to, um, they had candidates, candidates, you know, who, um, would, would be picked as, uh, to be representative high priest, um, I guess at some point, maybe there was a term. I don't know if there was a term. I haven't been able to look that up or it would be a lifetime office. That's, that's, that's difficult to say. Um, it kind of, it basically went through changes, um, uh, at some point, like for example, when the Romans took over, um, they would pick candidates. They would have candidates the Jews would have pick candidates and even though they would have, uh, they would cast lots, like voting. And the winner, of course, would be picked. But of course, at that time, the the priesthood was under, uh, was subject to Caesar. And it was subject to probably, I guess, to the opinion of Herod or the Herods. And that's how it was done. Uh, of course, the Romans, they weren't, if they weren't satisfied with the man, they wanted someone who was probably very, um, was, um, more submissive, you can say to Caesar and, um, controllable, then it, they would pick that man. It was a, the, the, the high priesthood was assigned from Rome and Rome had control over it. But in the past, Okay, it's going back to the term Messiah. Uh, the Messiah is anointed one, and it was either priest, prophet, or king. Anyone who is chosen by God and anointed by God is sent to the people to speak God's message to the people. Um, but technically, 
the Messiah was either priest or king. But yes, it can be a prophet as well when, when God chooses it to be. And he would give his message. The priest was anointed. Anointed, that's, you know, basically, that's what the word Messiah means. In in, Christ, in uh, Greek, uh, Christos, it would be anointed. Oil would be poured over the individual. Anointing of oil. I guess it would be mixed with myrrh and aloe and other fragrances because it was supposed to represent the smell of heaven, the smell of the divine. Uh, you know, the, the fragrance of the divine, of, of, God, of the anointing, which is also a symbol of the Holy Spirit of God. And then the person would, you know, of course, be representing God, the, the individual priest or, or king or prophet. Then, you know, you would, you know, speak for God. You know, you, the Holy Spirit would guide you. Okay, so then technically that changed when the title of Son of Man comes in. And the Son of Man is a divine title. I know it doesn't sound like it, maybe because it loses meaning in the translation, but the idea is, is that the divine comes in human form. Then this is the interesting thing. So the divine the divine is in human is in human nature but he take he can take on human nature this was of course controversial even among the jews because there were two titles for son of man and both of them they, technically they don't mean that they don't mean the same thing in hebrew when daniel says he says he he sees one like the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven and standing before the one who sat on the throne. That person, of course, is God standing before God. Jews have, Jews have never been able to figure that out, what Daniel meant by that. But later on in the Christian context, it meant Christ is God, the word of God, the Logos, coming, right, on the clouds of heaven and standing before the throne of the almighty God before God. So the term, um, Messiah and son of man took on, took on a whole new term, a whole new meaning. Suddenly it no longer represented a human, no meant a human being, just a mere mortal standing before, you know, before the, you know, uh, in, in the title, in a, in a title of priest or, or anointed one. No, now it's with the divine. Completely a more perfect, a, a perfect representative, a, a perfect human. Now, this particular title, the stone which the builders rejected became associated with the Messiah, that they would reject him. And it would become the new cornerstone for a new established house of worship. When they were building the temple, this incident supposedly happened twice. One was when the building of, of Solomon's temple, they thought they put in the right cornerstone and then they found that it was not the right cornerstone 
that they actually accidentally rejected the cornerstone. And it was marvelous in their eyes that the structure was able to stand. You know, later on, of course, I think the idea was that they took that stone and made it into an altar. But there's different stories about that. Then when they were building, when Herod wanted to rebuild the temple in his own design, a grand, more grandiose design, the same as that it happened again. They wound up rejecting, the, accidentally rejecting the cornerstone. I don't understand how that happens, but it became constantly a, a reminder. It became associated with the Messiah, that the Messiah would come, the Christ would come, and they would not recognize him and reject him. And that this would become the cornerstone of, the, uh, of a new established worship. That the, that the legend had it, or the prophecy had it, that the killing of animals, the, uh, which all pointed to the sacrifice and atonement of Christ, would come to an end. And that the new order, because the rabbis said, the rabbis, all the rabbis, according to the sages, the rabbis said, that when the Messiah comes, he would put an end to animal sacrifices and restore the original sacrifice of Eden, which was bread and wine. And that this would be the new order, the new sacrifice, which would be the representation of the body and blood of the Holy One. That the sacrifice of Adam and Eve, which was original sacrifice in the garden of bread and wine, would be restored and that the the animal sacrifices, which represent the fallen, the fallen universes, <clears throat> would would end. And that's what happened. Basically, so, but that but the the establishment, because they were so invested in the old sacrificial order, would reject it because they don't because they because the old sacrificial order became very, very much associated with the identity of the Jews, the identity of their of their religion, that the very thought that this would end was abhorrent to them. But all the prophets pointed to that they would they would reject this. They would reject the new establishment, the new covenant. And that's what happened. Alright, so let's move on. Alright, so now we get to the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse, uh, to St. John's chapter 1, verse 9, 11, verse, uh, verse uh, 9 to 11, 12 to 13, 7 to 19. Okay. I was dead, but now I, I am alive forever and ever. A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, your brother, who share with you the distress, the kingdom, and the endurance we have in Jesus, found myself on the island called Patmos because I was, I proclaimed God's word and gave testimony to Jesus. I was caught up in spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a voice as loud as a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. Uh, 
And when I found, I saw seven gold lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, wearing an ankle-length robe with a gold sash around his chest. When I caught sight of, of him, I fell down at his feet, as though dead. He touched me with his right hand and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last the one who lives. Once I was dead, but now I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys to death and the netherworld. Write down, therefore, what you have seen and what is happening and what will happen afterwards. Okay, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so uh, let's begin with the... uh, Gospel of John, Alleluia, Alleluia, you believe in me, Thomas, because you have seen me, says the Lord. Blessed are they who have not seen me and still believe, Alleluia, Alleluia. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20, verse 19 to 31. Eight days later, Jesus came and stood in their midst. Okay, reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven, forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them. When Jesus came, so the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my fingers into his into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not come who have not seen me and believed. Now Jesus did not did, did many thing other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in the in this book. But these are written that you may have come you may you may come to believe that Jesus Christ Jesus is the Christ the son of God that through his through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
So, um, we see, like we went, what we did earlier about the, the, the book of Acts and the remarkable things that God was working through the apostles when healing the people, using them as instruments of grace, instruments, uh, a sacrament, because that's technically what happens when we, when when you're united, when we when we are united with Christ, receiving His body and blood, receiving Holy Communion, you know any anyone who's baptized, a baptized Christian, um, basically if you're baptized properly, now of course, um, you know you don't have to be baptized again to enter the Catholic Church, but you do have to be confirmed and confirmed properly into uh, union with the church because, you know, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing, I think, between uh, Catholics and Protestants. It's not a big thing between, let's say, Orthodox Christians, uh, those of uh, like Coptic, Armenian, um, uh, you know, Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Chaldean, or uh, what they call Oriental Christians, um, is that they they believe the church is from the apostles, from Christ. Christ is the one who founded the church. There's only slight difference in doctrinal beliefs, but you know, slight differences, but not big. Uh, in Protestantism, the biggest problem, of course, is what exactly is the church and also the sacraments. And there are slight differences like, you know, veneration of saints, um, believing that the body and blood of, uh, of the Eucharist, the bread and wine is the real presence. Um, you know, the Pope, that's a big major factor, uh, the place of the mother of Jesus, the Theotokos, the mother of God, is she the mother of God? Um, what did she remain a virgin? Things like that. That's, that's the biggest, uh, but you know, otherwise like believing in the Trinity, Protestants, most Protestants, they, at least you hope do believe in the Trinity, do believe in the true natures of, of, uh, two, the two natures of Jesus, the, the, the divine and, and the, and the human, that are equal. He's equally human, equally divine. And uh, we do believe in the resurrection. We do believe in the virgin birth, um, except, like I said, the veneration of saints, the rosary, praying to the saints, um, things like that. Those are the, those are the other differences, but otherwise, um, otherwise much is accepted. You know, um, in the book of Revelation, what we receive, what we have here is the the divine Christ, uh, who's now high priest. Uh, you see him with a long robe, and then he has a golden sash, a, like a belt that's chest long, goes up to his chest, basically pretty much takes up, takes up his abdomen and he is high priest. He's high priest. 
He's the high priest. He's the son of man. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He is um, all authority of heaven and earth. He's judge. He's pretty much there. Um, he, you know, he sits at the right hand of the father and he rules both heaven and earth. And he is in charge of worship. When we go to the gospel, <clears throat> again, we, we get the resurrected Christ and he breathes on them. This is the second time in, in, in the history of creation where you have God breathing the first part. He breathes into man the breath of life. In this one is the new, new creation. He breathes on the apostles. He gives them the Holy Spirit. Again, as the Father does, so does the Son does. He breathes onto his, the new creation, the new Genesis. Because what happens is, in the book of Revelation, you hear Jesus saying, Behold, I make all things new. Gibson, in his film, The Passion of the Christ, he has a scene where he, where his mother, the actress uh, Maya Morgenstern, comes over and she, uh, to Caviezel playing Jesus, saying, Here I am. And he said, uh, See, mother, I make all things new again. He makes all of creation new again. Through his body and blood, through his incarnation, through his presence, he is rebuilding creation, rebuilding the world uh, through his agony. He's taking creation and he's redeeming it, reclaiming it back again for what it is. And also he does this to us. He does this to all of us individually. And we're united to him. And this is what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a new creation. We're supposed to be a new creature. Like we hear Paul says, we are a new creature in Christ now. And that's true. That's what, we, that's what we're supposed to be. <clears throat> um, the problem with, with human beings, of course, is that um, we don't want to go... We don't want to change. I mean, we'll take salvation, but we don't want to be converted. <laughs> you know, we don't want to give up our vices. We don't want to give up uh, the things that separate us from God. We want, we want everything. We want it all, but we don't want to change. You know, the alcoholic doesn't want to give up his alcohol. The drug addict doesn't want to give up his drugs. The guy addicted to pornography doesn't want to give up pornography. Um, the rich man doesn't want to give up his wealth. Remember the, the poor rich young man when he, Jesus told him, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he walked away very sadly because he has much wealth. So <clears throat> what does Jesus say? How easy it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for the, than for each man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he doesn't want to be converted. Um, though the sinner doesn't want to give up his sin. You know, nobody wants to give up their vices. No one wants to give up their, their sinful nature. You know, why do I have to change? Why do I have to give it all up? Because you have to. Commitment demands complete change. 
right? A person goes from another country to another, immigrates to a new country, has to give up his, his or her citizenship. In many ways, even though people don't want to admit it, <clears throat> they don't want to give up. They say that, you know, you know, they, they still hold on to their, to their former country, to their former homeland, a place that even doesn't even want them. You know, you know how you see people like they, they, they go, they come here to the United States and <clears throat> they still hold on to their flag of their former country. But you have to ask yourself, did your former country even care that you left? Would it, you know, did it really care? No. In order to be successful or to be, to, to really have a radical change in your life, you have to give up the old life. You know, you have to give up, you have to die to your old self, as Jesus often said, in order to become a new creature, in order to be born again. This is, this is a fact. It's a fact. And so in order to be a new creature, the old creature has to die in order to be the new man and a new woman. The old self has to die. Or else you won't have a successful um, new life. You know? <clears throat> I mean, seriously, we all know this. It's very busy outside, as you can hear. But we have to change. And it's difficult to change. It's difficult to... I mean, even for those of us who want to be healthy again it's difficult to change but you know you have to change get rid of old habits create new habits but you have to change you do and it's true you know it's a radical change of self radical change of way of thinking radical radical change of life radical change of mannerism radical change of looking at life it's a lot of things that have to change. All right, so let's uh, go to the uh, uh, let's go to the creed. Okay, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. And for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven, <clears throat> and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. 
I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.